welcome to the Truth Be Told podcast. I am Marta Brummel, and by trade and training, I am a certified life coach with a psychology degree from the University of Notre Dame and a master's in clinical social work from the University of Michigan. I'm the mother of four children. I'm married to Craig Brummel, my favorite human, and I am the CEO of a private life coaching practice for young adults and parents. So the whole idea behind this podcast and these conversations is to learn how to navigate this human journey from the inside out by building a life skill set that allows each one of us to engage with this grand life adventure from a place of health, wellness, and confidence, and to create something beautiful by weaving in meaning and purpose along the way. I'm so glad you're here. So I have a most beautiful guest with us today. This is dear Maggie. She is a 21 year old young woman is now a student at Clemson university, but she and I met when she was a student at Notre Dame. And that was a few years ago. And she reached out to me at the time because she was a freshman. It was her first semester and things were not going according to Maggie's plan. It was a really, really hard time. It was November of her, it was November of her semester, her first semester. And she had hit some really hard, hard times with friends and that feeling of not belonging and not really finding her fit and struggling to make sense of all of it and navigate it because it was a lot at one time. And on top of that, she was feeling really homesick and struggling to kind of get through until the end of the semester. And yet what Maggie did, as Maggie does, she hung in and she made it through that first semester. And amazingly, with flying colors, the grades, and yet really on her knees in terms of emotionally and mentally, she was exhausted and devastated on a lot of levels. And so our work together was really helping Maggie put words to what transpired through the semester, put words to her feelings, put words to you know where she was, who she was, and where she wanted to go, um, and to develop the skills and the tools needed and necessary for Maggie to find meaning and purpose and uh, peace and healing in this, in this process. And so she got to work like Maggie does. Maggie was, she was in all in, and yet she was also really unsure and unfamiliar with this process, um, which most young people are. And yet um, I feel like where Maggie is today, and we are a few years out to where she was at that time, it's almost like it was a shell of Maggie. And now she is thriving. She is as beautiful as she was then, but is more, I think, has stepped into her beauty. And I think she has a belief in self and a knowing, an inner knowing that was hard earned. Uh, the wisdom that you have gleaned from all of this, Maggie, has been pretty tremendous. And I think you, you, um, when I, we talked about 
if you wanted to do a testimonial or did you want to do a podcast episode, you're like, I want to do a podcast episode. So I said, all right. And that was a while back. We talked about it. And then we just recently circled back to each other and said, let's, let's do this. And Maggie, you know, agreed. She said, you know what, I'm, I'm just not, um, I I'm no holds barred. I'm open. I'm willing to share my story. So I said, all right, so here we are here. I sit with dear Maggie on zoom and, uh, I'm talking more, um, third person here. I should probably just get back to the fact that I get to talk to you, dear Maggie, and you get to share with our listeners, your story and anything that you feel comfortable in sharing. I will certainly help guide as needed, but, uh, welcome you. And I'm just so glad they get to meet you and get to know you and all the things that make you so very dear. So take it from here and uh, go for it. Awesome. Well, thank you for the sweet introduction. Um, hi, everyone. I can kind of give like a background of my story starting at Notre Dame and then transitioning onto my new school, which I'm currently at, at Clemson University in South Carolina. Um, but kind of just for background, um, I graduated high school, salutatorian of my high school class. I grew up um, not necessarily hard on myself, but always intense and fairly competitive um, with my own being. And graduating high school, I wanted, or I thought I wanted that sort of environment in college. And for me, Notre Dame was the first perfect fit on paper. Um, I grew up a Notre Dame fan and I'm Irish Catholic. Um, my family's from Long Island. Like we have roots at Notre Dame and I'd never had family go there. So it was a super exciting, um, experience for me to get to go there for my family. So everyone was super excited and proud of me. And I remember getting to campus feeling super overwhelmed because I am a homebody and the idea of me going away a thousand miles from home, which is Florida to school was a really big leap for me. I was the girl growing up that couldn't go to camp um, an hour away from home because I would call my mom crying. So it was a really big jump for me going that far away from school, um, knowing just two other girls from my hometown. And when I got there, Everything went according to plan or went according to my plan because as Marta knows, I always thought I had a plan that life had to stick to, which I know now is not the case. Um, but I, on the first week of school, I met some girls that I really thought were my end all be all. And I think like a lot of college freshmen experiences you just you get there and you're so overwhelmed and all you want is to belong and these girls made me yeah. yeah I wanted to find my people I wanted to belong and these girls grabbed me up they all knew each other's um one way or another so they kind of had a group formed and all I really wanted was to be a part of a group and it was like they picked me to be a member of their their group and I was so happy to be included. And like Marta says, I I jumped in with two feet when now I know in life, you don't always have to jump in two feet at a time. You can take your time. But um, I really, I went all in. 
and I got burned um, about four weeks into school. I had never experienced rejection, and it was my first feeling of rejection. And it happened slowly. It wasn't like my experience with these girls was not necessarily upfront or anything that I was no longer wished to be included in their group. And um, I guess looking back now, it kind of happened over a series of time. But in the moment when you have nothing else and you're a thousand miles away from home and you have no one besides a group of eight girls that you thought were going to be your everything and your your lifeline in college when that goes away, it, it hit me like a train to not even exaggerate. That's that's what it felt like. And um, I guess it was, that was about four weeks into school and I kind of suffered through it um, for the following probably four weeks um, before my mother forced me to speak with someone. And I was lucky enough to know. I love you. Um, I was lucky enough to have met a woman through my parents who worked for the university. And I came to her house um, crying one day after I had a panic attack during class. And I was laying on her couch. Um, I met her once or twice before, and she took me in. And Marta ended up being one of the, this lady's best friends. And agreed to FaceTime with me immediately. And that was about three years ago now. So, and that's kind of where our journey, our journey began. Yeah. And that was such a, it was such a raw time for you, dear Maggie. And I remember thinking just mere survival at that point, you were exhausted, a lot emotionally, physically exhausted. And then the other was, I think this feeling of your dream that you had had of Notre Dame being, being everything that you, you know, you dreamed about and you imagined and that being dashed fairly quickly, um, in short order. And you had, you felt completely powerless, completely out of control and very alone. And that was my first kind of taking in, taking you in and wanting to just kind of scoop you up and be like, all right, we are going to get you to a place, dear Maggie, that you are going to be able to stand tall again and shine your beautiful light, but it's going to take time because you were, you were pretty much in the fetal position at that point. And yet I say that physically, that was exactly where you were, but you kept showing up every day morning to night to get yourself through that semester. You were bound and determined, and yet you were wanting to go home and you hung in. So, so yes, we, um, that's where we started. That's where dear Janet introduced us. And, uh, she, um, she knew, I think somehow, some way that we would, we would be a good team. And so that's where our coaching relationship began. And that's where I think we really started to get you. Number one, it was just getting you through the semester, getting you through your days. And then it was, you got home and then you can kind of share from there because you, you decided at that point that you were done at Notre Dame. And Mm -hmm. that was at Christmas time. You, you made the decision. I'm not going back. 
Mm-hmm. And then it was, all right, what does that look like? Um, and you can kind of walk. Yeah, listeners to yeah for sure. So yes, after we met around like October, November, and it's funny, Marta and I were reading through the notes before I got on here and I had almost like, I'm in such a different place now and we've been working together for so long. I like forgot how raw and real the time was at Notre Dame. So when it came, I remember I left, um, I remember leaving Notre Dame, packing up, going home. And I think at that time I left, um, technically on a medical leave. So, mm-hmm. which was kind of reassuring, like mm-hmm. if I wanted the chance to go back, it was in the back of my pocket. But at that time, I, I quite frankly, didn't really want anything to do with the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went home and back to Florida. And that was when I really, I didn't feel as lost as I felt at Notre Dame because I obviously had my family and everything and I was just more comfortable um, being back home and being with them and not being in a environment that socially caused so much anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, But it brought on a new level of anxiety of, I felt like a failure. I was in high school. um, I was one of the few people from my high school that got into um, like a well-known university Many kids stayed um, within the state of Florida and attended UF or FSU. Um, so I knew word would travel fast when I got home that um, I had left. And to me, it felt like people were going to say Maggie failed. And overcoming that feeling was really hard. And it took me a very long time. It took me probably two months of being home before I really like was able to walk with my shoulders back. and. I attended um, the community college at home, and I remember my mom coming into my room on the first day and dragging me out of bed and being like, you have to go. And (laughs) so I I went, and probably two weeks into school, I was going like three days a week or something, and I remember coming home and being like, mom, I'm seeing so many people from high school. Like, this is not fun. And her being like, Maggie, you have, you have to, you have to say hi to someone. She was like, you will not keep living under this roof. Like this is progress. This is growth. Like say hi to somebody that you know from school. And I remember walking out of class one day with a boy that was in one of my brother, older brother's classes in high school. And I held the door open for him. And I said, um, Oh, hi, how are you? Nice to see you again. And he said, Maggie, what are you doing here? I thought you were like really smart. <laughs> and that was my humbling moment when I was like, you know what? It was kind of that when I was like, maybe I'm no longer even embarrassed. And I was like, someone having like the audacity to just say that I kind of went home. And it was the first time I really like laughed about the experience of like, my world completely turning <laughs> within the span of a semester and going to um, the community college after coming from a school like Notre Dame that I thought was going to be my dream. And I thought it really was my end all. And at that time, that experience I had at home and going to the community college and really accepting that making the choice of doing what was best for me at the time and leaving, Mm -hmm. um, was far more important than 
and what anyone could have ever thought about me. And I knew, I remember being scared of even what my friends and family were going to think about me. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, knowing how silly that truly was because the people in life that really care about you and if they're worth telling your story to, they'll understand. Um, and I think you also learned though, Maggie, that that internal dialogue, that the beliefs you had with yourself and what you were believing to be true, you were believing other people were thinking the same thing. So I think the, the work also was that interior kind for you of really facing yourself and turning inward to say, Hey, I see you, I got you. And this isn't about failure. This mm-hmm. is about learning. And this was a crash course in learning. And this community college was a beautiful stepping stone for you, I think, on so many levels. And I love that that guy said <laughs> what he did because it's real. And it's, it's, it's similar to some of the rawness of that first semester, but there was just the exposure for you. The vulnerability was so high. And you mm-hmm. were facing that on a regular basis. And yet you kept going, you kept showing up and your mom, God love her, kept you. Going. <laughs> she was, she is, she is so strong. And so she's like a bulldog, man. She's just like, <laughs> she's she is. She will keep you. Yeah. And, um, and I remember connecting with your mom a lot through that time. And, you know, I think that you really at the core of this was you starting to kind of get back to your core self of like, who am I? And I'm a lot stronger than I ever imagined. And I'm so much more than what meets the eye. And mm. I, I don't want to be so caught up in what everyone else is thinking. What am I thinking? And that matters more than anything or anyone. Um, and then also the recognition that you were very loved and your worthiness had nothing to do with your performance. Your worthiness was an inherent, you know, gift. The, the learnings though, for you were significant. And I think, you know, for things to have not worked out was the, the cross you had to carry to kind of get to where you were at that point. So keep going, but I just wanted to give a little bit, and you are also, I know, very emotional and all this, and you're still, beautifully articulating things. So, um, yes. Um, but yeah, I would say like back to your first point, I think like a lot of people and definitely a lot of people that are experiencing transferring, I think a a lot of us are very similar in the way where we're our own harshest critic. And I can say 80% of the thoughts that I had about myself that I thought other people were thinking about me. Um, was really just me being hard on myself and not that it even mattered what anyone else was thinking, but learning how to soften that is something Marta and I probably worked on the most is Mm -hmm. like working on my inner dialogue with myself, Mm -hmm. which um, I've definitely gotten so much better at um, since then, but also just the experience as a whole and going through that, um, I think taught me so much more than I could have ever learned just going to Notre Dame and having a perfect experience. Like I have grown so much as an individual in the past three years, um, just having, that was my, really my first big, um, life situation you could say 
that I really had to handle on my own. So it was my first big hiccup. And well, I think it was I, the first time that you made yourself really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think up to that point, you'd been in the control seat. And I think you exactly. were very, you were very calculated and cautious about, you know, with whom and where that you, you shared yourself and your, you know, and with whom you were in relationship, you also had family that was very close and tight knit. You had brothers looking out for you and you, you were always quote safe and totally. you knew where your safety zone was and you stayed there. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you got to Notre Dame, you jumped right in without any sense of understanding that that requires it just, you know, with anyone, with any relationship and close, um, just relationship in general, it's a process and it's a mm-hmm. gradual unfolding and you, people need to earn your trust, right? Exactly. And, and you, and didn't that's what I did in that concept. Yeah. I had no idea, um, about any of that. I remember thinking this was my exact thought when I got to Notre Dame, I said, or I told myself, if I don't say yes to everything, people will stop asking, which I think um, to an extent, it's true. No one wants to continually ask the person that always tells them no, because that's someone else being vulnerable, asking you something. But I think I said yes to too much of an extent to where I got to a place when I did start getting left out. I turned, I felt like I needed to know what everyone was doing all the time. And it made myself so much crazier. And I really lost myself in that sense. Like I remember returning home after feeling so left out constantly and seeing my friends at home again. And it wasn't probably until being home, I guess I returned home after the semester in December and it probably wasn't until the following June or July. Um, so six months later that my friends were like, my, my close friends from high school at home were like, thank God you came home because you're yourself again. Like Mm -hmm. your personality is back. Mm -hmm. And I can say kind of transferring into my decision to go to Clemson. um, It was definitely a hard decision to make. I, like I said, Marta and I were reading through my notes and I was deciding between coming to Clemson or going to SMU. And there were a number of factors and I ended up landing on Clemson for the reasons it's a little bit closer to home than Dallas. I had an older brother that um, was here at the time when I first transferred here. And um, there were a number of factors, but when I got here, I remember still feeling that same nervousness of, I forget the quote, Marty, you might not remember. What if I never feeling, what if I don't belong again? Yeah, the fear was so strong for you, which was, what if this happens again? And what exactly. if I don't belong? And and what if I get rejected again? And I just said, listen, Maggie, there's no guarantees in life. And yes, that is a possibility. But also who you are and what you're made of in any and all of these kinds of situations that come along, you're going to know, you're going to show up differently already based on what you've experienced this last year. So I, of course, I couldn't say to you for certain that you weren't going to experience something difficult and hard and uh, that you weren't going to experience rejection on some form or some level again, but I did feel confident to say, regardless, you're going to be okay. 
I know mm-hmm. you're okay. And you grew into that belief of self. You, you knew I, it's imperfect. It's unknown. It's unfamiliar. And I'm in, I'm going to go in this. And you, you know, I would say for the other, for listeners out there, you kept the option open to return to Notre Dame, but you, you learned pretty quickly that was not going, that was not something you wanted to consider. But I think it's important to say to those listeners who are in this process or might be in time of desiring a possible transfer, Mm -hmm. that it's good to keep your options open because a lot of in the process of, of, you know, leaving and then sitting with, and then, you know, kind of figuring out next steps. And how I think I knew the right reason, it wasn't the right choice for me to go back to Notre Dame is because I felt like the only reason I was going to go back was to prove to myself that I could go back and that I could do it. And finally realizing like, that's not the right reason really. And of course there are situations where you prove, I don't want to speak to like, I don't want to misspeak this, but for me, I didn't need to prove anything to myself about Notre Dame. I needed to like make the choice to put myself in a new environment. Like I knew a new environment was what I needed to continue to grow. And I realized Notre Dame was no longer the place that I was going to grow. Um, I remember that was really important for me. Yeah. And I remember saying to you that Maggie, it's not necessarily, there's not this right and wrong and good and bad in terms of the decision and these choices, as much as discovering and figuring out what is your fit. And then it's also so much about how you show up for wherever you are. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily the place as much. And yet it does totally for sure. And that's something um, you talked a lot about. Yeah. And I think one thing that really stuck with me too was when I was deciding what decision to make um, that I still say to myself now is, and I say to my friends too at Clemson that Marta's always told me, she said, make a decision and have your own back because you never, we can't look into the future and decide what the right decision is. But if you decide to do something and you know, you're going to be, you're going to be a hundred percent supporting yourself throughout that decision, even when the people around you aren't or it doesn't go according to plan. Like that's like the biggest thing that's helped me, I think. Yeah. And I think plan B, plan C, plan D, knowing there's choice within the lack of choice um, in Mm -hmm. all of these things. So when you make a decision and let's say you live into that decision and it doesn't quite go according to plan, even if you were, let's say you were, you were to go back now, knowing what you know, Mm -hmm. you would have handled the Notre Dame situation so differently, Maggie. Um, but you didn't know that at the time. And actually that led you to where you are. And so it's always this awareness kind of in the rear view mirror of being grateful for the struggle, for the hard, for the, the loss, for the grief. Totally. And I think I am who I am now a hundred percent because of the struggle and the experience that I had. Well, like, it broadened you and it, and it created more substance and depth to mm-hmm. you. And it also helped you face your fears. Yeah. And avoiding for a very long time. And you didn't, you couldn't avoid, you were, mm-hmm. you were smack dab in the middle of the fire. And, uh, I think when we face our fears is when we really grow. 
when we break ourselves open. Mm-hmm. But and there's always light at the end of the tunnel. That's right. what I remind myself. Yes. Yeah. So yes. So we can kind of wrap this up, but I mean, is there anything you'd want to say to those listening uh, and those that might be considering a transfer or those that are in the the midst of it, but still not quite sure, um, or those that have landed somewhere else and they're like, what am I doing? Would you, what would you say? Yeah. Um, I would say going through it. Um, well, one, it's terrible. And anyone that is going through it, it's not a fun <laughs> thing to experience, especially when you're told your whole life that college is going to be the best four years of your life. And I can say now I've had two years at Clemson and I'm graduating at May. And they have been two of the best years that I've had so far. But I don't think, um, I hate that saying because there's so much life to be lived after college and before college. And it's not the end all be all regardless um, of how things work out. Yeah. Yeah, Life, like there's a lot of life is good and bad. It ebbs and it flows and there's good in everything and there's bad in everything. Um, But beyond that, I would say, what advice? Um, I would say, Making the decision to transfer or to stay, they're both really big decisions and it's a tough decision to make regardless. And I remember going through the decision and speaking with people that thought um, they wanted to transfer and ended up staying and had great experiences. And now me, myself, deciding to transfer and having such a worldly different experience than I had at Notre Dame. Um, I think kind of like I said earlier, you don't, when you're making the decision, you don't, you don't necessarily know if you're going to make, there's not a right choice. And if you can actively, once you do decide, be willing to give it your all um, in the place that you do end up landing, whether you stay or if you go, I think that's probably the biggest factor. And that's what it was for me. I knew if I stayed at Notre Dame, I was just going to be a body. I wasn't going to be um, ready to truly experience college. I was going to move through the motions and get my degree and move to New York city and work for JP Morgan. And instead I decided that I deserved more than that. And so I think realizing, deciding to transfer, deciding to stay, you have to go to a place where, you know, you can be, or that you can give it your all. And Clemson, I got here And I didn't give it my all right away, but I knew I was ready to, I guess I didn't jump in with two feet like I did at Notre Dame. And it took me some time and even reading over the notes that, like I said, I did with Marta before this, it's crazy. The transition from my first semester where I was like, okay, Clemson isn't hell. It's not that bad to my second semester to now to where I'm in such a place where I have the best friends at the in the entire world that I couldn't be more lucky and blessed to have. Um, you just, you don't know what you don't know, but if you're willing to um, be there for yourself and give it a chance, I think that's what it was for me. I was give, I was willing to give Clemson a chance and I wasn't willing to give Notre Dame a second chance. So I think that's exactly right. And I think that you dug in and you did a lot of soul work, deeper work. And uh, I think that you showed up at Clemson, just a different 
person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think your experience very much reflects that. And I think you also chose friends and friends chose you based on who you are today. And that too, I think is very telling. So, you know, a final thought before we go is uh, for those who are going to be heading into college in the fall and who are going to their dream schools and they're going in with this belief and this sense of like, it's going to be these things and it's going to fill all the buckets and it's going to meet all the expectations. Um, And yet I'm sure everyone walks in with trepidation and fear as well, but what would you now knowing what you know, what would you tell, you know, an 18 year old who's heading into the, this new uncharted world, what would you say are the three things that had you known would have been really helpful in navigating the highs? Um, yeah, I would say it doesn't have to be perfect at the beginning for it to be perfect at the end. I'm sure if I went into Notre Dame not thinking that if I didn't have my best friends by the end of the first two weeks, um, that I wasn't going to have a friend group. And I took my time and I maybe stepped back and looked around and realized I will find my people if I stay true to myself. That would have been really helpful. I wish I would have just like taken a step back and not have thought um, if it's not perfect at the beginning, it's not going to be perfect at the end because that's definitely not true. Well, and I think it's likely that we don't really find our people. I mean, it's very unusual to find your people first semester freshman year. And if you do, you know, wonderful, you know, all the power to you, but it's so rare. I think that as you grow and as you evolve, which happens pretty quickly at college, I think you find different friends. You find people who fit you as you go along. And I think it takes a year or two to really find your people, to find your totally. And I will say, even with the girls, um, there's a solid group of probably eight girls that I met at the beginning of the beginning when I got to Clemson that I dipped my toes in with and I didn't go all in. And now I am all in with because I know they've got my back and I've got their back and we formed that relationship. Um, but what it is today is definitely not the same as it was two years ago, um, which just says a lot. Um, Second, I would say it's a big jump. You learn a lot about yourself really fast, leaving your family. And that's something I always thought I knew myself really well. And I always thought I always had it all figured out. And you get to college and everything's changed and everything's different. And you don't have your mom. I I always felt fairly independent at home. But just not having, whether you're close with your parents, your siblings, your best friend from home, or um, just like the peace of being able to hop in your car and drive to Publix, it was for me, like those things being taken away are kind of a shock at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I know it really was for me. And I, it makes it a bigger shock when you're struggling to transition or if something's gone haywire and then on top of that, you're, you're feeling this lack of home. Um, I think just Just knowing so many young people, when you come in, you want to belong and you'll do anything you Mm -hmm. have to, or you believe you need to do to quote belong and to find those friends and to find that fit and to, 
And I think we work so hard at that is almost doesn't give credence to the fact that this is an unfolding and it's a process and it takes time and uh, it's going to have lots of highs and lows and bumps and um, obstacles. Yeah. And you're not the only one, like odds are 80% of the boys or girls living across the hall from you. Not everyone. Some people are super excited to go away and home. They're not homesick, but a lot of people feel the same way. And I think knowing that you're not alone is like my second big thing that I would say to remember. And then the third, I would say like having the experience. um, I know when I was homesick and I wish I would have started speaking with Marta when I first got to school because I would have handled what happened to me entirely differently. Um, But unfortunately it just didn't work out like that. So we were more, we were putting out the fires when we got to working. Um, But definitely now she's preparing me for life ahead and life after college. But I would say if you have the opportunity or the resources just to listen to podcasts about self-help and self growth or speak with, if you have the opportunity to speak with a life coach, um, I know it's been incredibly life-changing for me and seeing how I've grown and changed over the past three years. It's, it's not just because I flipped a switch in my brain. It's because we worked hard and I journaled when I didn't want to journal and I'm not a journaler. And we talked about stuff that I didn't want to talk about and you get to the core of yourself and you can learn a lot. So I would say to anyone that has the opportunity, especially in a big transition, like whether you're transferring or you're going to be a freshman at college, if you have the opportunity to speak with someone, even if you think you have no problems in the world, like I thought when I went to college, I was like, I'm all good. I'm ready for this. (laughs) Um, It's helpful. You can learn a lot about yourself. So I'm sure I learned a lot. Yeah. Our one-to-one work was, it was, it was intense and it was, I think, um, really the last few years we've had, we've kind of gone on and off, right? So we didn't, Mm -hmm. we haven't worked together consistently at all. It just has kind of come and gone as needed. And I think that's also been a delight because each, each, um, each time our paths cross, Maggie's in a, you know, a situation where she's trying to figure out internships or her next steps post graduation. And so that's been really fun to just kind of see where she is now and the evolution she, you know, and the, the growth that she's experienced in such short order. Um, and the fact that we can kind of hit things pretty directly and head on, it's, it's as though we've just keep building on what we, the work we did foundationally. So it's been incredibly worthwhile work and a delight, uh, and a real pleasure and gift to get to know you and continue to get to know you. So it's going to be fun to watch you as you go um, into this world and share your gifts. Having a life coach can sweeten the often messy and hard and awesome journey of being human. Do you have a life coach? And if not, I would be so privileged to be your coach. I have a private coaching practice for individuals and families where we work on getting to the heart of your struggles and paving a path forward that helps you create a life that you truly love. When you're prepared to take what you're learning on this podcast and implement the tools and techniques so that you experience profound and lasting results, then contact me at martabrummel.com and we can hit the ground running. I truly cannot wait to work with you.